Hello and welcome to the Robot Podcast. I'm Fran Scott, scientist, maker and massive engineering fan. Every week we'll be finding out how robots are pushing the boundaries and exploring the exciting future that robots can bring. From 3D printing buildings to simulated factories, from robots in education to those working in our retail warehouses, technology is completely transforming our everyday tasks and leading us towards a more innovative future. And we go green under the lights. Today is all about digital twins. So what is a digital twin? In short, it's a virtual model that's designed to accurately reflect a physical, real object. And that doesn't mean it's like a character in a video game. But as you're about to hear, I would argue that they are just as fun, if not even more so. We'll be hearing from Gregor Coombe, Head of Strategy and Portfolio Development in ABB's Robotic and Discrete Automation Division, and Leonardo Amaral, an engineer at Volvo Brazil, about how robots and their digital twins are being used across the globe to completely change how we work on the factory floor. But before that, we're going to look into cars. Ridiculously fast cars. Simona De Silvestro is a Formula E driver and ABB ambassador, and she spoke to our producer, Jack Claremont, about how digital twins help her practice and get her ready to drive through cities at speeds of, <laughs> they are ridiculous, 280 kilometres per hour. So first, what is Formula E? Yeah, Formula E is a, a, a new championship, a, a racing championship that is fully electric. So it's uh, it's uh, quite an interesting championship. We're going into season eight uh, next year. And um, it's, uh, yeah, the uniqueness about it is that it is fully electric. So it's the first uh, racing series that uh, is like this in the world. And uh, we're really kind of pushing the boundaries of uh, electric vehicles. You know, a lot of development happens uh, during the races, back at the factory, just kind of, for all the cars of the future. So it's it's quite exciting as a driver to, to be part of. And we might be used to electric cars on our roads now. These cars look like what you think of as racing cars, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're proper racing cars. So uh, when, when you imagine it, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's like one chassis, only one person sits in it. And, um, and yeah, they go quite fast. And, you know, <laughs> what is a quite cool about it is like uh, the series only exists since yeah going into its eight seasons so eight years and just how quickly everything has uh, really improved uh gone better you know the first few years when i raced in we used to change cars uh, in the middle of the race for a 45 minute uh, race and now we're doing the full race in in uh, in one car so you just see all these things kind of developing and it's quite cool to to see uh and it's a uh, quite an exciting championship for sure Let's talk a bit about the simulator that you use. I'm, I'm right in thinking that you do use a simulator to practice in, is that correct? Correct, yeah. So uh, especially in Formula E, we use it a lot. Uh, so it's uh, it's based at the Porsche factory in Weissach where all the development is happening. And uh, it's, uh, it's a really important tool in, in Formula E because, you know, in Formula E, all the development happens mostly actually in software as well. Uh, so pretty much when we go to a new racetrack, 
um, you know, the engineers will work on the on the software, how, you know, the, to be the most efficient, to to use uh, the energy the most efficient way. And uh, we will be in the in the simulator back in Baisa and practicing this and trying to optimize it that when we once get to the racetrack, you know, we're as prepared as we can. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, it's a really important tool, you know, and especially, especially in in this day and age, you know, it's uh, you cannot go without it. So it's it's quite cool to 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 see it. So what does the simulator look like? What do you sit in? <laughs> yeah, you actually sit in a, in a race car, and uh, it's uh, it's yeah on the kind of pylon type thing, and you have to kind of climb in. So it, it is really Star Warsy the whole thing when you walk in. You know, in this black room, and it has a, a really big screen, and kind of the race car sitting on on a type of tripod, and um, and then you have the engineers in the background who who are kind of controlling everything and things like that. And once you're in it, you know you. It does feel like a race car because everything is the same like in the race car. Your steering wheel, all the buttons, all the functions, everything is exactly the same. So for us drivers, it's uh, it's really good because we get to learn the tracks. We get to work on the energy management because we still have to do that ourselves with the tools we have in the car. And uh, from that point of view, you know, we just kind of practice quite a lot. But it's it definitely cool. It's quite remarkable, to be honest. Yeah. Does the car move as you move? Do you feel resistance? And yeah, exactly. So once you drive, you everything moves around. Like you don't really realize how much it moves because you you know you're driving the racetrack. But when you, for example, when I watch my teammate and things like that, you know, you can see how much the platform moves and things like that. So uh, it's quite impressive, to be honest. Yeah. For you then. It allows you to understand the courses better. So do you get to see the whole course? It's it's really like you are there. Yeah, it's really like uh, like it is. You know, you have the when you're driving, you have the grandstands. You know, OK, there's not many fans in the grandstands because it's empty grandstands. So that's a little bit different. But uh, <laughs> even, you know, the logos on the wall uh, from the, you know, the different sponsors and, and things like that. It's pretty much we we get the info exactly how the track is kind of going to look like and um, and you know even the you know when the asphalt change when there's a bump and things like that that's all simulated so yeah I think they I'm not quite sure exactly how it all works but I think they scan the place and you know with all the technology we have nowadays they get to do really cool stuff and and yeah you get to experience that for sure once we get to the track it just gets kind of backed up again once we see it and, and taking pictures uh but yeah in formula e most of the time we run on street tracks so in the city and those are really bumpy and really you know the asphalt changes a lot you know the you go over paint because there's like the the you know the crossing from the pedestrian and things like that 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 is there so all these things are kind of simulated uh, on the on the simulator yeah and i guess it's not just you that thinks practicing on a digital version is better than running the real thing i imagine for the engineers it's a huge help yeah actually i would say the simulator is even more important for the engineers you know for for us drivers we really kind of get to you know, learn the track. We know it goes left and right and things like that. We kind of learn the energy management, but for sure, you know, it, it's still a simulator. Once you're in a race car, you know, there's still a little bit different feels that you get. So for us, it prepares us a little bit that way. But for the engineers, it's actually a bigger tool because um, the car simulation is really similar to what they come, like they, they get from the data. So once you overlay like a data from the simulator to the real race car, it's actually pretty similar. And uh, and for them, it's super important, you know, just from the development of the race car, you know, if we, you know, we need better turn in or better, you know, exit and things like that, just the feel of the car, they can work on this. Uh, and then, like I said before, in Formula E, the whole 
energy management is so important. So all this whole software uh, development, you know, on when you're breaking and how much energy is recuperated and things like that, they can really work on this quite a lot. So we, we spend a lot of time in the simulator because we can run through so many scenarios, you know, which in real life you never could. You know, you wouldn't have the time. You you would need to spend so many days somewhere on a racetrack and, and it's it just doesn't doesn't work that way nowadays. So from the engineer point of view, it's super important tool. And uh, yeah, they make us work, I would say, even harder in the simulator than sometimes at the racetrack. Simona's simulator sounds absolutely brilliant. I would so love a go on that. And to be honest, you would think I could just pop down my local arcade, but this is a very precise digital twin, not just a car racy game. But that said, digital twins are a lot more commonplace than you might think. I spoke with Gregor Coombe, Head of Strategy and Portfolio Development in ABB's Robotic and Discrete Automation Division, about how ABB's simulation and offline programming software called Robot Studio allows robot programming to be done on a PC in the office. But I started by asking Gregor to go back to basics with me and look at what is a digital twin. Is it a virtual clone? I mean, first of all, I'd say to a certain degree, it is a clone, right? It's yeah, a clone. Yeah, it is, it's yeah. just not a clone of a human being, but it's a clone of, in our case, um, robotics. Maybe if I take a step back and explain to you why these digital twins are so important in robotics, starting with how was life before we had the digital twins? So imagine you want to design and install a robotics line for the assembly of smartphones. This is a very right. complex task. There are hundreds of pieces that need to be put together with higher accuracy. Yeah, you, you, could, would, you would not accept a smartphone that has edges, the gaps between the screen and the frame, et cetera. Not only that you need to put these hundreds of pieces together, you need to do that with high quality or look around you. More of us have personalized iPhones. I mean, at least on mine, you know, I, I have names engraved on everything I, I actually got from, <laughs> from the electronics equipment. Um, and then there are frequently and even more frequently new models. So the phone manufacturer need to change the setup, um, but they want to reuse the automation equipment, you know, for cost and sustainability reasons. You can't just be buying all new robots just when a new product comes out. You've got exactly. to be able to repurpose Ex them. Exactly. And then, you know, if you install an automation line, you need to be in time reliable. Imagine a phone company would miss the Christmas sales launch. So this is a very... Very complex task to actually set these things up. Years ago, without digital twins, that was very difficult. You needed an entire team of engineers on site. Then you need to design and build a first version physically with the actual equipment. And then you run it at low speed to test for errors. And errors typically would have occurred. You know, remember how complex the task is that I just described to you. Huh? Then you need to go through iterative tuning until you reach the desired output with the desired quality. And at every correction, at every required change, it's a change at the physical setup of the people on site. That typically has taken several months. And again, I can just repeat it, all the people on site. Now, there have been tools to support the engineering process since long. You know, we have launched Robot Studio in 1998 as a first programming tool. And since then, we've constantly innovated the functionalities of Robot Studio, and it has always been a leading tool. Now we have you know, also powerful digital twin capabilities that make that whole design, engineering, commissioning process much simpler, much faster, and more reliable. And you now can do it in weeks instead of months. 
I sort of hadn't thought about the era pre-digital twin, but of course it would all be physical. It would be like, oh, yes. actually that machine's going a bit fast. That's not quite putting it in the right place. Whereas now you can just put it all on the digital twin, test it virtually and make yeah. all the mistakes virtually rather exactly. than physically. And they're exactly. going to be cheaper, right? Yes, it's not only it's cheaper, it's more reliable, it's faster. If you think about on the Christmas sales, you can even make changes, you know, at the later stage if this is necessary. But I think it's very important that when we talk about, that's why I think that word of the clone is not so wrong. In Robot Studio, we have really a full clone of the robotic solution on your laptop. It's a one-on-one -on -one replication. It replicates hundreds of parameters. It replicates gravity. It, you know, replicates the physical behavior of the arm, the vibrations. It even, you know, models how cables would move when you move the arm so that you can test that the cable does not get in the way of the operations and so on and so on. And you, you may think it's funny. You may think it's funny. Yeah, but... it's, I was, I was, yeah, I was laughing at sort of just in terms of thinking about, you've thought about everything because like I'm a very practical person and I'm a builder, I'm a maker, I'm a prop builder. And a lot of the time when you get a virtual representation of something, it's it's missing corners it's not quite complete enough and the reason I loved it when you said in terms of it's how the cables move because yeah cables do move they react in a certain yes. way when you move a big thing let alone a big robot so no you, you it's the detail of this digital twin is basically what you're telling me is it's every single thing has been thought yes. about so it's it's just as it is in real life. Yes. And then the, I would say, and then you don't need to think about all of that because you have a one-to-one -one replica. You will see when you run it in the virtual yeah. world, if something comes up that you may not have thought about, if you do it all, you know, on paper, you can model disturbances. What happens to the system if X, Y, Z happens? You know? And I think very important, you can model safety functionalities. So you can, you yeah. know, actually test your system to make sure that it wouldn't hurt people. And then, you know, a large robot that runs at fast time, you don't want to get into its way. You know? So you can model yeah. this also. Very, very important. You can model the energy consumption and you can optimize. You can optimize for energy consumption. You can optimize for wear and tear. And by doing so, I mean, you have a contribution to sustainability. You can prolong the lifetime of a robot. So you create less waste, less, you know, you can, you know, reduce the energy that the robot consumes. Um, all of that you can do on your laptop with a one-on-one -on -one clone. Of course. Like I so I was fascinated with digital twins before our conversation. And now my mind is just a whirling at well, one, how difficult it must be to create a program like that, to think of all the the physical attributes of a complex machine, and then to put them all together and wow. Think about how you can go to a customer that has never worked with robots and you can show the digital twin how it works in his setup. You know, we can do that today. You know, we can even have, together with augmented reality, you can project the robot solution on the factory floor. And that makes it much oh, easier yeah. to explain a customer who's never worked with a robot how the robot can actually help. Bringing in the AR there, this is not just a case of, hi, here's a 2D drawing. This robot goes no. here, feeds into this robot. Like We are not talking that. This is just magnitudes of complexity more than that. Yes. And you can prove to the customer the value that the robotic solution brings. You can show how fast the robot is. You can actually show it, right? How fast is the robot before you have installed it? And then, you know, you that can convince customers. It just opens up new opportunities. The big advantage also, again, of a digital twin is 
if you want to make a change on your factory floor, you can first do it on your digital twin. You again test it. You rewrite the program. After the thing is tested, after it's rewritten, only then do you stop for a relatively short time your ongoing production and implement the changes. Without yeah, the digital yeah. twin, you need to interrupt your factory floor for much longer because, again, you need to engineers on site making the changes, testing the changes. Without the digital twin, you would actually have to get people to look at the robots, get them to the factory floor, being like, this is what can happen. Whereas now, basically, you can <laughs> beam it, I suppose, via AR to their front room. And yes. you could be like, this is what you will see on your factory floor. Yes, you can. Wow. It would have made lockdown a lot more interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's the use of augmented reality in this robot studio program that first captured the heart and mind of Leonardo Amaral. Now, Leonardo is a manufacturing engineer at Volvo in Curitiba, Brazil. And in the plant, they make buses and trucks that are used across South America. I spoke to Leo to find out how Volvo are using digital twins to help in their production. But before we get into digital twins, here's Leo to explain what robots they use in their plant. Here in Curitiba plant, we have around 100 robots installed in these different wow. areas that, that I mentioned. The, the body shop, the paint shop, the final assembly, and the, the powertrain. Most of these robots are ABB ones. Basically, the biggest part of the robots, the biggest amount of robots are located in, in, the, in the body shop. Yeah, I, th I think it's not uh, one uh, specific, specific thing for Volvo, but talk about the automotive industry. Uh, it's more common to see mm -hmm. various uh, robots or a big number of robots in, in the welding area. It's basically the, the rule that all companies uh, follow. We have several applications of welding in this plant. We have a spot welding, we have arc welding, we have gluing and or dispensing application. We have a holler hemming, clinching, riveting. When I have visitors in, in our factory in Curitiba, I am very proud of saying that this body shop is a very special one yeah, because we have more than 10 different welding applications in installed in our robots, right? And these robots, in terms of them all having their different applications and different jobs that they do, so let's say they do the spot welding and the arc welding, I assume it's a different robot that does those different jobs. Yes, uh, absolutely. They will be different. But in our facilities, we have different applications installed in the same robot. So it's possible to have one robot applying or executing spot welding in, in one moment. And in the second moment, this robot can get a gripper to, to handle some parts. Yeah. In another moment, wow. it's possible. Yeah. In another moment, it's possible to have this robot gluing yeah, or dispensing gluing around the, the part. And this uh, kind of solution or multiple applications is one thing that is very common to see in our factory, right? It's brilliant, especially in these times. Now, today we're looking at digital twinning, which I absolutely love. And I've heard that you do use it in your factories. But correct me if I'm wrong, the first time you came across sort of ABB's twinning technology, you were not actually in the factory at all, were you? In that time, I was working in a project where we developed the whole package of robotic portion. 
I was in charge to create all the station in a virtual environment before creating the, the real station. Yes. We did that using the robot studio. We yes, the, the main software to create uh, some, some virtual station uh, from ABB. And that time I, I had the complete uh, station already created in Robert studio. I was at home yeah, in my, my free time. Then I started to play with it. Right. And the first time it was in the, <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah. With my, my daughters running around and, and, and also I, I, I showed them the, the application also, I also showed to my wife. All of them was uh, very excited. After that, I also projected the, the, the station outside of my house, right? Because I, I live in a, in a condo, yeah, with some houses around. Uh-huh. I, I went outside to project the station in a big array yeah. to have uh, more details and to, to be easier to, to handle the, the, the station. Uh, it was funny because I was there using my my mobile and my my neighbor uh, saw me using the the application and start laughing yeah because uh, I think he, he thought I was hunting some Pokemons around <laughs> the house okay yeah <laughs> it, it was funny yeah and after that I also uh, shared with him the the screen and he also enjoyed it a lot the, the application so. You literally took your work home. You know, there's not many yeah, people yeah, that yeah. can say they've got the factory, but they're actually projecting it onto their front lawn, albeit through the app and augmented reality rather than reality. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. must have been so bizarre to see these robots there on your front garden. <laughs> <laughs> so this technology, this this AR, this robot studio AR viewer, Yes, you used it in your kitchen with your girls and, you know, everyone got excited about it. But how do you use it now in your job? The first one, it is a, a new station installed in the paint shop area. And this station is already installed in, in, the, in the real life. Yeah, we, we have the, the station producing parts yeah, nowadays. But uh, in the beginning, uh, we created the station using the robot studio. And this station is a quite new process for for the, the group where we produce uh, plastic parts, right? Actually, we, we have a school driving process to connect two different plastic parts. And also we have a, a ultrasonic welding that melt the piece of plastic around or above the other one. So it's a quite new process for us. And this, this station was the, the first initiative we have to use the, the application. With that one, it was possible to demonstrate the station before creating it. It was possible to demonstrate to the operators, to the maintenance team. It was possible to demonstrate to the managers as well. So everyone loved it. Because you could actually you could actually show them it um, virtually before actually investing physically in that particular station. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have an opportunity of receiving comments or feedbacks from the operational team, from the maintenance, from the managers, right? You have opportunity to, to show the future or how the, the, the future looks like. And if uh, someone else does not agree with some point or have uh, an improvement to be implemented before the real creation, this is the, the correct time to, to receive this feedback and also working in the virtual way yeah, to change something 
before creating. So basically, from my point of view, is the, the main game you have with the software. Yeah, to receive feedback in general, to be assertive for the very first time. And before that, I suppose you could do that, but you'd just be looking at plans or drawings or spreadsheets. But here you can actually see the station doing what it's meant to do. And so you can, in a way, feedback on things that wouldn't necessarily be obvious from just drawings. Yeah. When we turn on the application using the, the mobile you can see the whole station. You can zoom in and zoom out the station. You can rotate mm. to adapt the, the, the station for your needs, right? And besides the details and the components, mechanical components of the station, you can also see the, the robot running. You can see the robot executing the trajectory to see the, the behavior of the dress back, the cables and, and hoses. Yeah. It's a fantastic tool to be used for engineering teams in general. That sounds fantastic, not only for being able to learn remotely, but also to be able to make mistakes, which yeah. is so important when learning yeah. and um, and these mistakes not be costly because they're just on a screen rather than yeah, yeah. like yeah. It's, not, it's not a, a real machine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that the correct time to make mistakes is during the project where I do not have any real equipment created. And so would you say that being able to make mistakes at that different time saves you time and money? Yeah, uh, this is the, the, the connection that I see, right? If you make the, the correct thing in a very first time, when you plan something in a very correct way, and in this case, when you design a new thing with all 3D components installed, integrated in, in the virtual thing, you can predict, you can foresee the future in a very close way to the reality. And absolutely, you, you will save time and money for the company, absolutely. So where do you think this tech is going for the future? You know, yes, to help you in your factory, but also the future generally, where can it go? One thing that I, I see for the future is like to see and predict a whole factory working around you and you can see the products running from the beginning to the end of the line in a virtual way. I know that we have, uh, nowadays we have this technology, but I see that uh, in a new future, it will be a quite common activity for uh, engineering to demonstrate not just one robot and one station, but uh, the complete line at the complete factory in a virtual uh, environment where you need uh, a special glasses for it. I really love that story of um, Leo's girls playing with that augmented reality robot. It's something that I wish I had had as a kid. Can you just imagine? But for the final word, with his vision of the future for digital twins, it's now time to go back to Gregor. If you look into... Similar like cars, the performance of automated production lines will decline over time if you don't maintain them. Mm -hmm. And digital twins can improve and simplify these interventions to keep the performance up. In an industry 4.0 setup, you're collecting data of the system's output, its performance, its speed, its status, et cetera, during the operations. And if you now compare these actual data with the should-be data of the system that you have in the digital twin, 
It allows you automatically to detect deviations from the optimal status and make the necessary corrections. You see this, you know, little twin tells you the optimal, your data shows you something different. How big is the deviation? When should I intervene? This allows, you know, improvements before things get worse, but it also avoids unnecessary interventions. Yeah. It helps to keep uptime and performance high, and it helps you to prolong the system lifetime, which again, you know, is a nice thing from a sustainability point of view. And I personally have the privilege as head of strategy portfolio development to be deeply involved in the ongoing work on making this new technology matters for our customers, making things more flexible, more simple, more productive and at higher quality. Today's episode has really fascinated me. And I might say this every week, but it's so true. But there's something about digital twins that just gets my imagination going because the possibilities for their uses are it's basically endless. And that, unfortunately, is it for this week. A huge thank you to Simona de Silvestro, Gregor Coombe and Leonardo Amaral. Next week, we're going to be looking at shopping, which normally isn't my bag, excuse the pun. But what we're doing is we're going to be looking at how robots are transforming when and what we buy and how it actually gets to us. I'm Fran Scott. And the Robot Podcast is a fresh air production for ABB. Follow and subscribe now for free wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Part of the ABB Decoded series. 